Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? We are back with a brand new episode of Peddling Fiction. I, of course, am your host, the one and only voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita. How's everybody doing today? It is Tuesday, April 7th. We are one week into, the, apparently, hopefully, the last 30 days of this quarantine. Um, there seems to be all sorts of optimism especially on Wall Street, coming in uh, over the weekend, I guess that um, the death curve is, is starting to flatten out a little bit, or at least there was hopes of that. And so everyone was going bonkers. The markets shot up, gapped up big at yesterday, gapped up again today. They're still up right now, um, I think about 600, 700 points, something like that on the Dow. And um, it, it is just really unbelievable how delusional everybody is about the the severity of this. Not necessarily the coronavirus. Uh, I, I, I think those um, all of those models and everything are way overblown. But the effect that this is going to have on our economy is, is so profound. And, and just the idea that, oh, hey, maybe this curve is actually flattening now is a reason for a um, like a 10% rally in, in the markets is just insane to me. We have we know for a fact that 10 million people have filed for unemployment over the last two weeks. We haven't gotten this week's unemployment numbers, but well, this is supposed to be the, the worst two weeks. I mean, I feel like they say that every two weeks, but uh, this, this coming two-week period is supposed to be the worst, the worst that this has gotten. And I just think all of this optimism is unfounded. And of course, I'm just seeing a headline now that the uh, New York is reporting the largest single day jump in deaths so far to date. So all of this optimism that this is almost over and that we're just going to bounce back after this is nonsense. I, 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 you really have to wonder how, what is going through the minds of all of these um these investors, right? And who's buying? Who is buying the stock market right now? I mean, sure, you can take you can take some nibbles at at there are definitely some bargains out there, some stocks that are bargains. But you gotta wonder if the Fed is just behind all of this buying now and and all of that um that six trillion dollars that they basically created out of thin air, how much of it is going toward buying private companies and commercial paper and things like that, that they, you know, aren't supposed to be doing, of course, but, um, they said they were going to do. You have to wonder if, if that's what all of this craziness is. And, you know, there, there are a lot of sayings in, in circles of people who, who trade, uh, the markets and who trade currencies and things like that. One of them is that, the markets can stay irrational longer than you can stay solvent. And nothing is proving more true than that right now. Another one is don't fight the Fed. Do not try to fight the Fed. That's a, a newer one. That's um, probably come across in the last uh, 10, 12 years or something like that since the Fed has been backstopping these markets. And all you needed to do to be a successful trader for the last decade was buy the fucking dip, as they say. Uh, there's a pretty funny YouTube video out there, BTFD. And uh, anyway, I, I, I'm digressing here. because I'm, I'm just in awe at these markets. I, I, I don't understand why everyone is so optimistic about this when we're getting 
literally the worst economic data in terms of jobs and unemployment and businesses closing that I've ever seen. And, and to just shrug that off, it reminded me of the uh, the Batman movie, the, one of the newer ones. Is it Batman? Uh, whichever one has Heath Ledger as the Joker, which, which great movie, unbelievable Joker. You know what's pretty funny is the all the Batman movies – the Joker seems to upstage Batman. Uh, Jack Nicholson did it in the 80s version. He stole that movie from, uh, what's his name? Michael Keaton. And um, Heath Ledger just totally upstaged Christian Bale. It, it's, um, it must be quite a role for actors to play. A lot, lot, of, uh, lot of opportunity there. But anyway, in that movie, the Joker's talking about how Nobody seems to panic when things go according to plan, no matter how terrifying the plan is. I, I, that's not an exact quote. Or it's something along those lines. You know, he's like, you know, if I say tomorrow I'm going to kill 10 people and 10 people die, well, it doesn't bother anybody because that's what was supposed to happen. So apparently these markets seem to think that, oh, you know, 5 million people are going to lose their job this week. And 5 million people do lose their job this week. And that's no big deal because we were expecting that, which is just insane to me. It doesn't make any sense. Okay, you were expecting it, but it's still a problem. It's still bad. There's still 5 million people without their jobs. So, yeah, you were expecting it and you got it. So you got a really big problem on your hands. Now what? <laughs> I mean, this doesn't make any sense to me. You know, I don't know exactly what time I'll get this episode out. It might be before the markets close. It might be just after. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we get a, a pretty big sell-off here into the close and finish negative on the day, especially in light of some of these headlines we got coming out out of the de with the deaths in New York and things like that. Turnaround Tuesday is real, folks, but we are certainly living in interesting times. And, um, you know, there's a, I'm starting to see some... You know, some of the people I know who are running out of supplies, I am not one of them. I'm still very well stocked over here just out of my natural tendency to uh, maintain supplies. But a lot of my buddies are, are running out of uh, out of stuff because, you know, we're going on in Chicago here. This is like our fourth or fifth week of this now. I, I, I lost track. Every day is just running into the next. But they're running out of supplies and they're starting to go to the store and they're seeing people wearing masks now. That's uh, that's a, th a thing, I guess. And uh, oh, if you if you didn't notice, the CDC came out and um, did a 180 on their recommendation for masks because if you recall, your your wise overlords in Washington and your precious Center for Disease Control came out at the onset of all this and said, oh, don't bother wearing masks. They don't do anything really. And most people wear them incorrectly. And so you shouldn't be wearing a mask to, to deal with this. And they came out maybe over the weekend or a few days ago. And now they're recommending that everybody wear masks. And, you know, you can just see the writing on the wall in this ever-increasing authoritarianism that they're going to start, like, requiring people to wear masks out in public. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know, this is just, this is craziness to me. And, you know, you can't just wear a mask, right? You have to accessorize with it. You have to basically build your entire wardrobe around the mask, right? At least in my opinion. I think that's, if... We're going to start wearing masks every day. They're going to have to start coming out with some stylish masks and, and things that you can do to them to uh, accessorize. Otherwise, you'll just look like one of those weird Asians walking around that, that looks like a diseased person that freaks everybody out. This will actually be pretty hilarious to me. You know, women will be bedazzling all these masks and, and then the really cool, sophisticated women will buy the um the like the Russian surplus version of it, which is like the cheapest, shittiest version of anything. So they'll buy the cheapest, shittiest version of the masks that have ever been made, but they'll have the letter or like a brand name stamped on them and the front of them. So they'll pay like five hundred dollars for a mask just because it has the letter B on it or whatever those stupid boots that that the the rain boots that the women are wearing these days that are just outrageously expensive for no reason 
there's nothing to them. The hunter boots, hunter boots. I got my sister a pair of those for Christmas and I just, I couldn't believe that they cost like $400 or whatever it was for a fucking rubber boot with the name hunter stamped on it that you could literally get at any army surplus store for pennies on the dollar. That's where I see these masks going and uh, all these crazy women who want to um, keep up with the Joneses. It's going to become a status symbol to have the uh, the Hunter masks or whatever uh, brand name decides to stake out the high-end mask market with the cheapest masks available. And then they'll have their seasonal colors, right? And uh, we can do the, the cancer awareness months. We'll have the, the, the pink masks and the blue masks. And uh, this is going uh, to be something we're dealing with now, I guess. This is America. And that's um, one of the things I wanted to talk about today was just the, the sheer, the scariest thing to me about all of this is not the coronavirus. I, I am not, and it's not just because I'm younger and healthier. I, I do feel like there is a lot of fear mongering going on. It is a serious thing. I, I know there are people dying from this. I know that there, you know, the, the hospitals are being overwhelmed. But we will come up with a, a way of treating this, an effective treatment. There's a lot of promising options out there right now. They will come out with a vaccine for this. They will get these, you know, hospitals under control eventually and this will subside but what's not going to subside is all of the extra government and rules and regulations that we're going to get as a result of this even the economy you know i come from i've been in finance for the last 13 years or so all right and I always, I actually came at libertarianism from an economic perspective initially. That's sort of how I got into it, was at, in the wake of the 2008 financial crisis, I was looking for answers. And I, I found all of those answers in the Austrian theory of the business cycle and libertarian economic theory. And the economics of this, as you know from listening to past episodes, are are pretty are pretty bad they're pretty horrifying from an economic standpoint we're long overdue for a recession and and this could end up being a depression in my opinion but as bad as that is you know losing five six million jobs a week 10 million 20 million people unemployed okay that's like you know there's still 200 some odd million people employed at that point and we will the economy if they allow it to will reset it will purge itself of all of these toxic assets and these malinvestments that have been occurring now i don't see that happening anytime soon because the fed won't let it happen and we're now on zero percent interest rates really negative interest rates if you're you're considering inflation you know that that's just more of the economic problems that got us here in the first place you know, we've basically had the largest transfer of wealth from the poor and the middle class to the rich and politically connected in this first round of economic stimulus, the stimulus package that's coming out. And they're coming out with another one. Now, it's one trillion, maybe two trillion, who knows? But all of those, you know, those banks and those companies that were too big to fail are going to be even bigger and more likely to fail. The, the giants are going to be the ones getting the most help from the government because they're the most politically connected. Small businesses, as I talked about in the last episode, they aren't getting the, the help that they need. They aren't going to be able to compete with those large giants who have the edge on the economy of scale and the political connections and are getting bailed out and will continue to get bailed out because they're too big to fail, right, uh, according to the government. And all of this aid for small businesses is going to fall short. I wouldn't be surprised if they come out with additional funding. I think they gave them three hundred billion or something like that. There'll, there'll be another couple hundred billion dedicated to to small businesses, and it's never going to be enough. And it's going to be fraught with you know fraud and everything like that. But all of this inequality that's become a huge problem 
for a lot of people over the last 12 years or so, thanks to the Fed, thanks to cheap money, all of that inequality is going to be exacerbated by these bailout programs, right? And we can't bail our way out of this, pro this problem. It's impossible. You just can't do it. And so this inequality that's at all-time highs is only going to get worse, and it's all brought to you by fascism. I mean, that, that's what this is. Now, a lot of people think fascism is just this, um, this like, white national. It has this racist component to it, and, and that's because of Nazi Germany. They just associate everybody, every fascist has to have this racial component to it, and that's just nonsense. It's absolutely nonsense. I mean, fascism started in Italy. There was no racial component to it whatsoever. It has nothing to do with that. It's just one aspect of it in Germany had uh, a racial component to it. Oh, okay, but the fascism at its core is a form of socialism where instead of the government outright seizing the means of production as communists would, right? They just they essentially take it over through excessive regulation or a lot of these like corporate public private entities and, and agreements and things like that and bailing out these big companies and this cronyism they essentially for all intents and purposes they control the company it's just that they're not running the company they're not running the means of production they still leave that to the the private sector and in that sense they're a lot smarter because the private sector will run it better than the government will but the government's still going to have the vast majority of control over it. They'll control it through excessive taxation, excessive regulation, or they'll continue to bail them out. And every time they bail them out, they'll either take a, a bigger portion of the company, a, a controlling interest, or they'll attach all of these strings to the money that allow them to dictate how the company runs itself. You know, you got to have X number of people on your board and you got to have diversity quote, all this stuff that they're talking about. It's all fascism. All right. And along with fascism comes authoritarianism and people are embracing this and it's freaking me out. We already have all of the technology essentially in place for the government to just flip a switch and control every aspect of our lives. The government aspects of this, the authoritarianism that we're seeing and the advocacy for authoritarianism that we're seeing is really the scariest thing to me because I don't see enough people resisting this. I, I see the vast majority of people are more than willing to sacrifice all of their liberty for some sense of security. And once that's there, once that is in place, there there's no going back. None of this stuff ever gets rolled back once it's put into place. And as scary as the economic aspects of this are, you, there are still ways for you to protect yourself against that. You can protect yourself if you understand the fundamental problems in the economy. If you listen to this show, you'll understand how to protect yourself from an economic downturn, how to weather the, the economic crisis, how to ensure that you protect the wealth that you've created and saved. There are ways to do that. There are even ways to profit during an economic crisis. There are ways to capitalize on a lot of the, the volatility in the markets, on an economic downturn, if you know what you're doing. So you can at least protect yourself to the downside, if not profit to the upside, in any uh, economic downturn, if you're prepared for it and if you know how to do it. But you can't protect yourself from Big Brother. There, there's no way of, of weathering that storm. There's no getting around that. They have everything they need to completely control your life because they've been chiseling away at our, our liberties for hundreds of years. And they've got the stranglehold now. We are so deep in this thing that there is no getting it back at this point. And there are people now with welcoming with open arms the last nail 
in this coffin to just completely bury the American people in authoritarianism. That's the, the scariest thing to me because I can protect myself from an economic downturn. I, I, I have positioned myself properly, I think, to do pretty well in this sort of economic environment. There are plenty of things that just average everyday people can do as well. But there's nothing you can do to avoid government. And, and if we're going if we're going to head down this path and nobody is going to resist this, we are all in for a world of hurt and there's just no escaping it. That's the, what's really freaking me out right now. I mean, Google tracking, they were tracking people's phones to see who was abiding by the quarantine. Did you guys see that map? They came out with a map to show which uh, areas of the country were following the quarantine um, guidelines the best based on their phone tracking data. Okay, and then we have facial recognition. I mean, everything. They've got all the technology they need to completely fuck us. And most people are just accepting this. All of these people that are ratting out businesses for being open, ratting out people for being outside, calling the cops on them. They want them thrown in a cage because what they're operating a business. I talked about the, you know, drones. They can turn these drones on us just like they do over in the Middle East. Not that they'll be bombing us, but they'll use it to surveil us. They'll use it to make sure you're not breaking curfew, make sure you're not breaking quarantine. They're going to be robot versions of all these Karens out there that are calling the cops and ratting people out for just living their lives. You know, there's people I saw people on TV talking about how we have to be removing people from their houses if they're sick and putting them into some sort of camps. I mean, this, there are people advocating for this on TV. I, I, I think it was was it Rachel Maddow show. Let me see if I can find the clip. I wonder if this clip is out there. Because this is, I mean, this is unbelievable. I can't believe what I'm seeing just because there's this virus going around that is not as deadly as people have predicted, at least not yet. I mean, we'll see. The next couple of weeks are, are supposed to be the big ones. Uh, they said that a month ago as well. And, you know, okay, okay. We'll see, but I, I don't think that these uh, doomsday scenarios are going to come true. At least it's not looking like that at the moment. But now we're talking about using uh, the government to rip people from their homes, their private property, because they have a fever. Okay, you have the government enforcing quarantine. There is no authorization to do this in the Constitution. They don't have the authority to do this. What happened to due process? Even if they want to quarantine someone, they can't quarantine like large swaths of the American people, like an entire building or an entire block or an entire city or an entire state. They can't do that. That's illegal. Okay, if they want to quarantine a person, they can do that. But there's a burden of proof there and there is due process. They have to prove to a judge that A, that you are infected with this disease, B, that you are contagious, C, that you are like a threat to go around and spread the disease. There, there's a lot of uh, things that they have to actually prove before they can quarantine one person. One person. You can't just blanket quarantine areas. You can't do that. Freedom of movement is a fundamental liberty. You can't just throw that out the window without due process because it's more convenient for the government or something. I mean, we're just going to toss out the, the, the Bill of Rights because people are getting sick. We're going to toss out due process. We're just going to get rid of it because you're a little scared that you might get this disease. Uh, okay. Okay, but let's not um, miss the big picture here. There's talk of these uh, immunity certificates being rolled out by the government, the you know, papers that you're going to have to carry around to show that you've either developed a resistance to this or you're immune to it or, you know, you've recovered from it. And, and it's going to be like, what? Where, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Okay. This is the 19th strand of coronavirus. I think that's why it's called COVID-19. All right. This is not the end of the world here. We don't have to fundamentally change everything about life to deal with this sickness. 
And look, I mean, I am voluntarily complying with these quarantine guidelines. And I think that the vast majority of people should voluntarily comply, but it should be voluntary. And I would consider it an act of aggression if you knowingly had symptoms of this and you were going around uh, um, interacting with people. The reasons I'm complying with it is not because I'm afraid of, of getting the virus. The reason I'm complying with it is because I don't want to give it to somebody else. That's it. That's all. So I'm going to, I'm going to comply voluntarily, but I'm not going to let sit back and just let them destroy what's left of the bill of rights because, uh, uh, 10,000 people got sick and died. I, I mean, come on, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Like we need to resist this. Those of us that are aware, those of us who have any sense of liberty or are liberty-minded whatsoever. And all of this libertarian infighting, you know, the anarchists versus minarchists, that, that all needs to stop. I, I've seen a lot of libertarians be very bad on this issue. We can't just accept this uh, authoritarianism lying down. We, we need to put up some kind of fight, something. Get something going to show that they can't just do this to us. They can't just strip away all of our liberties because there's a crisis. That's when the liberties are most important. And that's what they always do. And we have to learn our, the lessons of history. Look what they did to us after 9-11. And if we can't do that now, if this problem that is facing us right now and all of this, uh, the threat of authoritarianism that we're staring down the barrel at, if we can't uh, muster up resistance to that now. I can't imagine a scenario where we would. It may be too late. And it's just so frustrating to watch everybody, everybody in the world turn towards socialism and more government intervention whenever there's a crisis. I mean, literally everybody who is not a, a very principled libertarian just becomes a socialist because there's a problem. All the Republicans, all the Democrats, I mean, the Democrats were already basically there. But where are the Republicans on this? It's just so obvious that none of them really believe in free market capitalism. They all abandon it the second something goes bad. And of course, why are things going bad? 99% of the time, it's due to prior government intervention and all the negative unintended consequences that come along with that that are a result of that. I mean, that's like half of this podcast, right? I, I point out all of the negative consequences from government intervention. There's a problem in society. Everyone has been trained to look toward government for a solution. The government solution makes the problem worse and creates several more problems on top of it. So what do we do now? Well, government needs to fix it, right? Government needs to fix these new problems because all they did was put a Band-Aid on the original issue. So they put another Band-Aid on the new problems. Things inevitably get worse, and more Band-Aids are issued, more Band-Aids are used, and they just keep doing this over and over again, and we never get to the root of the problem. And the root of the problem is government, is socialism. If we only treat the symptoms and not the disease itself, how are we ever going to heal? Remember, government is like a cancer. To the extent that we have it, to the extent that we must have it, if we must, you want it as small and as localized as possible. And we can't depend on people in government to ever address this. Obviously. Obviously, why would people that literally embody the cancer, have any motivation to cure themselves. That's not how it works. And this is why I don't believe in this fantasy of limited government, because it never limits itself. It only grows. It grows like the cancer that it is. I mean, look, we have this constitution, right, that was specifically designed to prevent everything going on in America today. I, everything in that I just talked about at the top of the show. We had all these rules in place, all of these, the Bill of Rights, everything. 
We had separation of powers, checks and balances, enumerated powers that the government was only specifically allowed to do, and it did nothing. It did literally nothing. Yeah, sure, it it slowed it down for a couple of decades. Okay, it slowed it down while the cancer chipped away at all the rules that were holding it back. But it's going gangbusters now. Just absolute gangbusters. We started with the smallest government in the world. The idea was that the government is a necessary evil. We're going to bind it down in the chains of the Constitution. We're going to give it few and defined powers, and it can only do the things that are listed on those founding documents, right? That was the idea. And now they literally possess the technology and the power to prevent us from leaving our house to go for a walk in the park. That's illegal now. I mean, this idea that government will limit itself, that we can give some entity or some group of people all of this power and they will sit there and not use it and not abuse it is a fantasy. I mean, look around. Look around at the first uh, opportunity they get. <laughs> it's, a, it's always a power grab every single time. Why is that the solution to every problem to remove more and more of our individual liberty and give more power to government? Don't you find that a little uh, suspicious? Little suspicious. If any other company or any other uh, private actor w- was to prescribe that every time, w- would you really take them seriously? Would you buy into that? And just think about it from the perspective of a politician. Why is there only one guy? I mean, there's one guy, Thomas Massey, God bless him, the only guy that tried to fight the entire government on this stimulus package nonsense. And he didn't even really fight it. All he was trying to do was get them to record their votes, to follow their own procedures. As like, no, no, we can't do that. He just wanted to get politicians on record and not, not interested in that. We can't. This is an emergency. We're just going to do this. I mean, why? Why is he the only one? Why does everyone in government automatically turn to government and convince the American people that we have to abandon free markets in times of crisis and fall back on the good old United States federal government to save us? Why do you think that is? Well, it's because the government has to validate themselves. Of course. Of course. If they got up there and said, you know, now more than ever, we need to step back and let the markets work during this unbelievable crisis, right? This global pandemic. We don't need government. We just need more individual liberty. Well, then what would we ever need them for? If not in an emergency, then when? Right? Of course they're going to say that. Of course they're going to tell you that we need them and we need to give them all of this additional power and control because they are just so goddamn important and necessary. I mean, what person wouldn't say that about their job? And and that's what this is to them. This is a career now. We have career politicians. Uh, Would you just go to your boss, right? Because, you know, they supposedly work for us. That's another one of the fantasies, right? So they're going to their boss and they're going to say, you know what? You don't really need me to do anything here. I'm just going to sit back and not do anything and let these problems work themselves out. I mean, who would go to their boss and say that? Practically nobody, because it's not in their own self-interest to do that. And that's why we keep getting more and more legislation, more and more rules and more regulations that make us less free by definition. It's this retarded idea that government is there to get things done. And so all of these politicians want to validate their existence by penning some more rules and regulations for you to follow. They get to point to all the legislation they did. And then they get to uh, accuse their opponent of of being a do-nothing Democrat or a do-nothing Republican. Or, oh, what has he ever done? What's his main uh, piece of legislation? What's his signature legislation? Who cares? Why why did they have to have a signature legislation? We don't have enough fucking legislation as it is got tens of thousands of pages of legislation added to the rolls every year. This is the cancer that just keeps growing and feeding on itself and perpetuating itself. 
They're all acting in their own self-interest, just like people always do. And government are people. Yeah, sure, they can put on a robe or some fancy uniform, but that doesn't change who they are. And they have totally perverted the original concept of what government was supposed to be, this necessary evil that we don't want doing anything more than the bare minimum. I mean, what happened to that idea? Jesus Christ, bare minimum. They want to, we want them to do everything now, including making sure people stay in their homes or, if necessary, remove them from their homes and put them in camps now. And I can't find that clip, by the way. I just looked for it. I don't know where it is. It was definitely a guest on the Rachel Maddow show advocating for that and it, whatever. I'm getting off track here, but they have totally perverted that original concept of government and they've replaced it with the idea that we need government to do everything, especially in an emergency. I mean, that's the most important time for them to step in and save us all. Yeah, sure. You know, you guys can have your little free markets and a little bit of freedom and liberty when things are good. But not if there's a problem, not if a problem presents itself to society, then this whole thing goes out the window. Oh, oh, the Constitution, that, forget that. That, that. That's great when times are good, but not when times are bad. Not when there's a problem to society. No, no. And the cancer has spread so far and wide. There's nobody left to make the case for chemo. I mean, how can you even make the case for limited government now or free markets? When every step of the way, every time something bad happens, your default position as a government official, Republican or Democrat, your default position is, we need government intervention. We need the government to do something. We need fascism. That's what this is. That's what we're getting. We're getting an ass full of fascism from the Republicans and the Democrats, and they're all socialists now. I mean, Republicans want fascism. Democrats want more communism, but it's all socialism. And if that was really the answer, if the right thing to do when things got bad is to expand government power, to give more power and control to them and abandon free markets, abandon liberty, why is it that when you look around the world, the most prosperous countries are the ones that have done the opposite of that? that have limited government intervention, that have expanded individual liberty, that have embraced freer markets every single time. The problem is not that we have functioning free markets and that all of these problems are just things that markets can't solve. It's another retarded thing you'll hear people say. Oh, well, the market doesn't handle that problem very well. Okay, which market is that and which problem? Because, I mean, look around. Look around at all of the biggest problems facing us today. Everything that the politicians are complaining about, the entire Democratic platform, everything that they harp on being the biggest problems in society, right? Healthcare, education, income inequality. Everything's too expensive, right? And the rich keep getting richer. That's what we're, that, That's one of the main problems. We don't have free markets in any of those areas. They are the most regulated. They have the highest amount of government intervention out of anything. They're all run by a bunch of corporate cartels, basically, with the government's blessing. That's the fascism. Banking cartels headed by the Federal Reserve that has a literal monopoly on the issuance of currency. That's what's causing all the undue income inequality and wealth inequality as they steal from the poor and the middle class and they bail out their banker buddies. I mean, that that's your free market capitalism right there? Does that sound like capitalism to you? I keep seeing all these people saying capitalism has failed, capitalism kills. Uh, wh- what version of capitalism has the, the government stealing money from people at the threat of throwing them in a cage and giving it to their, their politically connected Wall Street and banker buddies? What part of capitalism is it when you bail out companies that, that have screwed up their balance sheet, that are going out of business? You don't let them go through bankruptcy. You just steal from people and give them free money. Uh, show me that in the definition of capitalism, please. And healthcare. I mean, the government is so far up the ass of the healthcare system in America, it's no wonder everything is unaffordable. I mean, when has the government made anything cheaper and more efficient? 
I've asked that several times now throughout the, the duration of this podcast since I started this show, and I've never gotten an answer from it. I've never even gotten the, an attempt at an answer. Anybody got an idea? I mean, they've it, it completely destroyed the healthcare industry in America. They've destroyed the model of insurance. They've got these one-size-fits-all plans now. You, you can't pick and choose what you want covered. You have to either take it or leave it. So you've got people paying for in, insurance on things uh, it, to insure against things that not only will they probably never happen, sometimes it's impossible for them to happen. Like you've got postmenopausal women paying for birth control-related issues in their insurance. That's uh, a physical impossibility. Oh, I mean, they've. Th- this is a disaster. They've got them covering pre-existing conditions, for Christ's sake. I mean, the entire point of insurance, the only reason it works is because you are insuring against the possibility of things happening. Insuring against things that have already fucking happened or are guaranteed to happen is the most retarded idea ever conceived. That's not insurance at this point. Uh, you've, you've destroyed the idea. I know it sounds great, and it tugs at everyone's heartstrings, and that there are millions of sob stories out there uh, of people that are struggling because they have this pre-existing condition. But the solution to that is not to destroy the entire insurance industry for everybody and destroy the concept of insurance. There are other ways to handle those problems. I mean, imagine imagine if you could buy homeowner's insurance after your house burned down or car insurance after you wrapped your car around a tree. I mean, that's what they've done to health insurance. I mean, how could that possibly work? Uh, why wouldn't the cost of that skyrocket if every time, I mean, first of all, who would buy the insurance before you needed it if you can just wait until your house burns down or wait until you're in the car accident and then get the insurance and not have to pay anything into the pools and then just collect all of the, the payouts? I mean, this is, this is retarded. This is absolutely retarded. How, how nobody understands this is beyond me. Imagine how expensive car insurance would be Let's stick with the car insurance analogy. Imagine how expensive car insurance would be if that's the way we treated it. If we covered things that are guaranteed to happen, like routine maintenance on your car. You, you bought insurance for oil changes and tire rotations and, and, and checking your fluids and, and putting more windshield wiper fluid in your car. Imagine how much an oil change would cost if you had to pay for the oil change and the insurance to cover it. And then, oh yeah, by the way, here's this entire government apparatus that you have to deal with on top of that. And and they have to go back and forth for reimbursements and the customer isn't actually paying for the full cost. They're only paying a, a portion of it. And then the government and the insurance companies and the mechanics all get together and figure out the rest. Oh, and then, oh yeah, I forgot. You only, um, you can only see one certain mechanic. You have to go to the dealership every time and there's only one dealership in town. I mean, does that sound like a free market in car insurance to you? That's what they've done to the healthcare industry. And we're all wondering why things are so expensive. I mean, not only can you not purchase insurance from other countries, which you should be able to do. There's no reason why if somebody from Australia wants to sell me health insurance, I couldn't, I shouldn't be able to buy that. Why not? Why couldn't I do that? But we can't even do it across state lines. I mean, I'm an hour away from Wisconsin. I can't buy insurance from somebody in Wisconsin. No, no, it's gotta be these imaginary lines drawn on the map by politicians. That's the rule. Okay. Does any of that sound like a free market to you? Does any of that sound like a failure of the free markets to you? I mean, give me a break. And then education. I'll just keep going down the list here. Education. We have the Department of Education. We have the Department of Education, for Christ's sake. And they were guaranteeing student loans, and now they're outright lending directly to students. I mean, gee, you think that has something to do with sky-high uh, tuition costs? Maybe. Maybe the fact that an 18-year-old kid with nothing 
with no assets, no collateral, no job prospects, can get an unlimited supply of loans to go sit in a room and read books for four years and take bong rips and beer bongs and party? You think maybe that has something to do with it? I mean, come on. Come on. Does anybody, anybody who honestly looks at these problems and concludes, yep, that's a free market failure, you're retarded. I mean, you actually have a mental disability. I, I don't know what else to say. And the Republicans have painted themselves into a corner on this because they've abandoned all of their supposed principles. And I mean, they're such idiots that they could never actually make a compelling case for why we shouldn't embrace government intervention, probably because they themselves never really believed it, right? Like I talked about before, who goes into government because they believe government should be abolished? I mean, very few people. That's the problem. That's the problem. But their only argument against the, the Bernie Sanders and the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortezes of the world was, oh, well, how are we going to pay for all that? That's just too expensive. $50 trillion, that's outrageous. I mean, that's basically all they had, right? They'd scoff at the price tag, and they'd be like, well, that's just ridiculous, and write it off, and just call it socialism. Okay, so now you have people like AOC, and you have to admit that they have uh, sort of a, they sort of have a point here. I mean, they can look around at what's happening, and they can... They can say, you know, you guys always tell us that we can't afford Medicare for all and we can't afford uh, UBI and free housing and free education, but you always seem to magically come up with money for all the other things that you want to do, all the foreign wars and, and bailing out Wall Street and corporations. I mean, you just, you just created $6 trillion out of thin air to do that. Boom. It was like it was nothing. It was no big deal. You just write it down on a piece of paper. The Federal Reserve clicks a couple keys. Problem solved, right? So why can't we do that for everything? Why can't we do that for everything that I want? I mean, I want to help the American people, not just corporations. So how are they going to fight against that? How, how is anybody going to stop any of this? And that, that's where we are now. And if you're a Republican who pretends to be for limited government, how do you make a case against that? How do you make a case against it when you're advocating for basically the same policies as just your own pet projects instead of theirs? It's too late. It's too late. The cancer is everywhere. It's in all of our organs. It's in our lymph nodes. All that's left is for the patient to die. And I think America will eventually collapse under the weight of all this government intervention. We are in the last throes of the empire right now. How much longer they can keep this party going is anybody's guess. They, they've already surprised me to the upside. If history is any indication, they, they can um, keep this party going a lot longer than you can um, realistically expect. But the government reaction to the coronavirus could be the final nail in the coffin for America. The country as we know it, the country as the founders envisioned, is gone. And I don't think we will ever be the same after this. So we have to be very careful that these next uh, few months, this next year or so, is going to be a, a, a pivotal moment in America. And libertarian, and this is like, I, I think the, the show is going to go gangbusters this year because I, I'm, I'm talking about these issues and I, I will remain steadfast in our principles here because everything that libertarians have been warning about for, for decades, everything is happening right now on unprecedented levels. I mean, look around, right? We've been railing against uh, 0% artificially low interest rates and the Federal Reserve and easy money since, I don't know, 2000, early 2000s, right? Well, here we are again, 20 years later, we're still at 0% interest rates. We're against big government bailouts, uh, bailing out corporations, crony capitalism, that public-private uh, organizations like the Federal Reserve and things like that, those are going gangbusters now, too. We just got the biggest bailout in the history of the world. $2 trillion with another trillion coming down the pipe. All right, we've got the surveillance state kicking into overgear, right? You can't leave your house. You can't go for a walk in the park. 
authoritarianism is is on the rise. People advocating for authoritarianism is on the rise too. And th- these are our our core issues that we've been warning about, and they're all coming to fruition. So we have to we have to get the word out. This show needs to get out to more people. I'm I'm sorry, but uh, I want to see our numbers go go through the roof this year. And and it's I mean I, I the fate of the country is at stake here. I mean, I hope I'm wrong about this. I hope I'm wrong about all this. I really do. If there's one time I don't want to be right, it would be right now. Nothing would make me happier. And it may seem far-fetched, but I mean, look how far we've gone. Look how far we've come in just a few months. I mean, if you were to talk to me in January about this, go back and listen to the show because I might have mentioned it, and none of this stuff ever seemed possible. All this stuff would have seemed absolutely far-fetched and ridiculous, and you'd be like, ah, oh, no, that, that would never happen here. And yet, here we are. And there are definitely other great podcasts out there talking about this issue, but I, I want to be another voice of reason in this uh, time of insanity. And hopefully, we could put, a, put an end to this craziness before it's too late. But I, I can't do it alone. You guys are going to have to download and subscribe, share the show, share it with your friends, share it with these people that are out there calling the cops on businesses for trying to serve people food, okay, for, for trying to serve a need in society. This is insane. We have to put a stop to this. If we don't act fast, if we don't change the hearts and minds of a lot of people very quickly, we could wake up one day and not recognize the country that had, that used to be a beacon of freedom and hope and liberty. So make sure that we remain principled in these dire straits, these tough times. Make sure you're spreading these ideas of liberty. Make sure you're countering these insane narratives that, that, that people are spreading. And if you're not comfortable making the argument or the case for liberty, send them to this show. Send them here. I will make the case for you. Do it on your behalf. I'm happy to do that. I, I just need, I need people to download and subscribe and share the show. Follow me on Twitter at Pedal Fiction. And if you want to become a supporting member of the show and really help this thing get off the ground and and increase our reach, go to peddlingfictionpodcast.com. And if you can do all that for me, I will be back later this week with a brand new episode and we can continue this fight all over again. Until then, just remember to keep on peddling that so-called fiction. Peace.